0: Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, once again in conversation with you about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about coaching as an approach to leadership development in ministry organizations. Now to do that, I've invited a guest to be a part of the podcast today, Dr. Dallas Bivens. Uh, dallas is the director of the arizona campus for gateway seminary he has also been a pastor and a director of missions and he's done that in a wide variety of settings from alaska to tennessee and then to arizona Uh, dallas has developed quite an expertise in coaching as a form of shaping people in ministry leadership he has done that as i said in various roles and contexts but re- but recently he presented a major academic paper to Gateway Seminary faculty on this issue and challenged us to become more skilled at coaching techniques and coaching methods in helping students to fulfill their potential as ministry leaders. I found the presentation invigorating, and while we're not going to make that that presentation to you today on the podcast, I do want to interview Dallas and let him talk with us about what leadership coaching is, what are some key aspects of how to do it, how, it different, how it's different than some other methods of supervision in leadership relationships, and such issues as that. So Dallas, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being my guest today.
1: Thank you, Dr. Orr. It's great to be here. I
0: really admire the work you've done in coaching over the years, and I especially like how you have brought this to bear on how you relate to students for Gateway Seminary in in Arizona. So uh, let's just start with a basic question. What is leadership coaching?
1: Uh, Leadership coaching is about a coach helping a coachee by challenging them, supporting them into achieving their personal or spiritual objectives. It's uh, done with a lot of trust, it's done with a lot of uh, mutual uh, responsibility. Uh, the title coach was first used a couple hundred years ago in Oxford when the students there received their information from their professors and an exam was coming up. When they would ask the professor, the teacher for help in preparing for the exam, they were pretty much given a road answer of just learn the material. So they hired tutors and the tutors were those people that would carry them through the exam, take the information that was already in front of them or in them, and then help them uh, carry that through the exam. Uh, The carriage at the time was called a coach, as it is today. And so that's where the term coach came from.
0: That's awesome. Uh, I like the uh, word coach because I have had really positive experiences with coaches in other contexts. Uh, I was an athlete when I was a younger guy and uh, some of the most influential people in my early development were baseball coaches basketball coaches football of coaches course. people yes. like that I know you've also coached football along the way and uh, yes, some other am. sports as well so coaches are people who come alongside of us in a unique kind of relationship which has some supervisory overtones but isn't really a supervisory relationship it's a it's a different kind of a connection it so is. what is the how is coaching different than other traditional forms of supervision where there's more hierarchy, there's more control, there's more of those kind of uh, aspects of the relationship? Sure, the
1: best coaching relationships are those that are more partner-to-partner kind of relationships and not so much a parent-child or uh, boss-to-employee relationships. Now, uh, a boss is one who may push or drive. The coach uh, is more about lifting or supporting. Uh, the boss maybe is more of a teller. Or director, uh, more lectures, uh, things like that. The coach is more asking, requesting, and listening. And it's interesting that you said, Doctor Orge, about uh, different coaches in the in the uh, younger years, coaching in high school or uh, uh, junior high. Those are more of consultant coaches. Uh, this is what I would do if I were in your situation. The higher you go into college and beyond. That coaching becomes more pure coaching based on the other person. Uh, They have the knowledge within them. So the coach now is trying to draw out what is happening uh, to use athletics on the field of play. Now, in the business arena, after World War II, it was a a man named W.E. Deming who had a lot of good – uh, ideas about coaching, but they didn't really work here in the United States. So he took it to Japan, and he's the father of the uh, modern revival of, uh, of Japanese industry. What he saw was that if he could get the white collars and the blue collars, that was, those were his terms, on the factory floor talking together... Uh, that that would make all the difference. And that's how Japan uh, returned to prominence after World War II.
0: I think that the subtle difference you're talking about is really uh, a, a subtle difference related to how we view each other in relationship. Yes. You know, sometimes supervised. the word supervision uh, carries with an, an authoritarian context or a top-down kind of context. And there is certainly some of that in supervisory relationships, but the best supervisory relationships are not – those where someone is telling another person what to do all the time, Uh, the best supervisory relationships are a, a, a leader who is bringing another person along to maximize their full potential and do all they can do in the organization. So, Even here at Gateway, you know, I have supervisory responsibilities, but I don't go around the seminary barking orders all the time. What I'm more in tune with doing is helping people to develop who they really are and draw out of them the full potential of what they have.
1: Oh, absolutely. And if you are from that mindset of uh, authority and management and control, especially if you're a church leader, you're building a church full of followers. And we really want to build a church full of leaders. So it needs to change from from me and what I think to you and what the Spirit is doing in your life. It needs to change from external answers, which are kind of uh, centered in your hands, what I can do, my behaviors, and more toward an internal conviction, the heart center of what God wants me to do. It needs to change from I'm in charge of what you should do to what does the Lord want you to do and and, um, how that works in our church or company or organization, school, et cetera.
0: That's awesome. I think coaching uh, is a good perspective for ministry leaders who find themselves in supervisory responsibilities because it really changes our perspective from telling others what to do to facilitating what others can do with us. And a lot of times in ministry organizations, there aren't clear lines of authority. Uh, That's the way churches are often structured, is uh, much more in a collegial fashion. And so this kind of uh, approach to supervision and to leadership development, I think, fits really well in ministry organizations. Now, uh, Dallas, you recently showed me a chart, which I have found fascinating.
1: Yes, yes.
0: In this chart, you show that there are key distinctions between different growth disciplines. And the chart lists growth disciplines of coaching, consulting, counseling. Pastoral counseling, spiritual direction, mentoring, and discipling. And all of these words are words that we frequently use in ministry contexts consulting, counseling, pastoral counseling, spiritual direction, mentoring, discipling. I've probably used every one of those words recently in describing uh, ministry uh, leadership relationships. But the chart also contains coaching as a distinct. Uh, approach to people in uh, the process of spiritual growth and leadership development. So if you could, without us going through this chart line by line, uh, if you could summarize for me, how is coaching really different than these other approaches or what's distinctive about coaching, for example, in contrast to counseling or in contrast to mentoring or something like
1: that? Sure. And I think the main difference between all of these disciplines is coaching is based on the other person and their walk with the Lord. Uh, Most leaders understand God speaks to us. It's difficult then oftentimes to see that God speaks to other people. And what he's saying to them is just as valid as he's saying to the leader. When those uh, different voices are brought to the same table, boy, that's where team leadership takes place and uh, uh, vision is owned by the mass of of the group. Uh, by and large consulting counseling pastoral counseling spiritual direction mentoring discipleship they're usually led by one person with a design toward the other person coaching is based on what is God saying to the other person uh, consultation is uh, I'm an expert I've been there before this is what I would do if I were in your shoes uh, counseling is uh, I'm an expert I have a lot of uh, information about your particular issue or problem. And if we can diagnose that, we have a, a set program you need to follow. Same with pastoral counseling, a spiritual direction. Mentoring is, uh, I'm an expert. I've been there before, and this is what I've done. And you'd be wise to, to do what I've done before. The, the main piece of coaching is the expert in the room is you. And whatever problem you've had, I've experienced that before as well, but that was in my own context. What is God saying to you today? And time I try to give you uh, my answer, you don't really own it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and therefore, I own the problem. Okay, I'm going to do what you said in this particular problem. I'm going I'm to try this solution, but it's not really mine. It's, it's, it's I'm, I'm gonna try that out. If it doesn't work, it's still my problem, it's not yours.
0: I think when you first started that answer, you said that one distinctive of coaching is it really focuses on the other person, mm-hmm. not the person in the relationship that's being perceived as the leader or the supervisor or the director. It really focuses on the other person. And in order to do that, one of the primary skills of good coaching is asking good questions. A yes. number of years ago, I came across a statement that has uh, – it, it, it glowed on the page almost like scripture, if you know what I mean. When I read mm-hmm. it in this book, and, and, the, and the statement was this. It said, the person who asks the questions has control of the conversation. Wow. Now, that really rocked my world because I've always been a teller. I like to talk, uh, and I like to tell people what I think, and I like to tell people what they ought to do. (laughs) But that question really changed my entire perspective on uh, supervision and leadership relationships. The person who asks the questions has control of the conversation. And what I learned from that was not to take control in a manipulative way or a negative kind of way. But I learned that if I could ask a person that I was working with good questions, I could draw out of them a solution that they owned as theirs rather than something I imposed on them. And so, for example, now when I'm dealing with different people that I work with here at the seminary, I often ask them, uh, you know, what are your impressions about this situation? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some experiences you've had that are informing how you're responding up till now? Uh, what are some sources of information you might need to seek before you make your final decision? Beautiful. Uh, what would you do if you knew you could do it without any fear of failure in this yes. situation? Yeah. And so I've learned to ask really probative, um, open-ended questions to help the uh, person I'm working with to sort of discover their own solution. Is that kind of what we're talking about here when we're talking about coaching people in leadership?
1: Absolutely, beautiful. Coaching is not about problem solving. It's helping the other person accept responsibility and find a direction out. Uh, if we do continue to give the answers again, we own the problem. There's, I've rented cars, every time I fly into uh, Ontario, I have to rent a car. I have never once washed that rental car before I returned it. And why? It's not mine. And that's kind of the issue with when we give advice and I may not understand the whole situation and I'm giving you what I would do if I were in your situation.
0: Well, I think that learning to ask good questions is a primary skill of leadership coaching. It really helps you to focus on the other person, helps them work through a process of discovery, gives them a sense of ownership of the solution when they come to it, and really raises their competence level and their capacity to both discern what God is leading them to do in a given situation and think through a problem in a given situation.
1: And your answer was perfect, Dr. Orge, because it went from – what to do with your hands and went back to the heart and good coaching questions always go back to motivation internal issues why are you doing the things uh, that you're doing so it always it's always a heart issue and good coaches try to bring that back to the heart
0: you know there's so much we could say uh, more we could say about this issue of good questions In this presentation you made to the seminary, you actually included several pages of diagnostic questions that could be part of a coaching relationship in a supervisory role. Uh, we aren't going to go through those pages here on the podcast, but this presentation will be posted on our, on our website, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be available in various different means. And so we can certainly make it available to listeners if they request it, uh, either from me or just by going to the Gateway Seminary website and looking for it there. And in doing that, you can discover, uh, as you're thinking about your own leadership role out there and uh, li- as a podcast listener, you can think about... Uh, what kinds of questions that I can learn to ask so that I can help people through a process of self-discovery and of of spiritual discovery. And I want to underscore, uh, learning to ask good questions is not about manipulating the conversation or about trying to get the person to say what you want them to say or about trying to communicate information in a deceitful or manipulative kind of way. If you're doing that, you're you're really uh, violating a, an integrity and a trust relationship that will undermine your attempts at so-called coaching. That's not what we're talking about. Absolutely. What we're talking about is learning to ask good questions to help people do real spiritual reflection. Good theological reflection, good problem center, problem solving centered direction, so that they can think through and work through what they're trying to come up, uh, try the solution they're trying to come to uh, in their situation. Well, we've talked about good uh, asking good questions as a skill of leadership coaching. Uh, Dallas, are there some other primary skills of leadership coaches that you'd identify for us today?
1: Sure, and those skills are again linked to the heart. I want to say listening is very important of course it is but before that let me say just to see others as unique and different than you are because that helps you be a better listener Uh, when I when I see someone with uh, problems and I want to give them my own uh, answers I don't see them as unique so listening is very important and seeing them as unique Uh, I also want to have effective questions again not just I've got a, if someone has an issue with a job that they're doing, how is that affecting your heart, your call, your direction, and so forth? I want to take that from the head to the heart to the hands. And then I want to establish a high level of rapport and trust. Uh, Part of coaching is a lot of challenge and a lot of uh, change, a lot of confrontation. If you do not build that trust, uh, then your questions are going to fall unused. So seeing them as unique, stretching them, challenging them, uh, those are some of the skills that you need as a, as a good leadership coach.
0: You mentioned at the beginning of that that li- uh, that listening is a vital skill. I want to talk about that just a little more. When I was uh, a younger leader, this was a real deficiency in my life. And so during my doctoral studies, I did a massive research project on listening skill development and, in fact, wrote my doctoral uh, paper on uh developing effective listening skills for personal evangelism. And while I was interested in developing them for personal evangelism, because my major in my doctoral work was evangelism, I really did it more as a personal growth project to learn something about listening skills. So if you've never um, done any kind of reading or study on listening skill development, I would encourage all of you who are hearing the podcast to do so. There are excellent books, there are seminars, resources, to help you understand what it means to really be a good listener, an active listener, an engaged listener, and to do more than simply hear the words that someone is saying to you, but to really learn to uh, understand meaning and context and culture and all the things that go with making a person a much better listener. It was a surprise to me years ago that listening skills could be acquired just like any other skills. I thought, you know, I can hear fine. That Therefore, I must be a good listener. And those things are not the same. So yes. if you've never done any reading or thinking about listening skills, uh, I would encourage you strongly to do that because they are skills that you can acquire, you can improve, and certainly make you a better leader. And in this context of leadership coaching, a better coach as well. Uh, Dallas, you said another thing that I found a bit amusing because of something my wife all, often says to me. Uh, you said that the other person is unique. And and uh, you need to grasp that, that in contrast to who you are. My wife has a favorite saying. She says um, it, was a, it was an important discovery for her when she realized that other people were not flawed examples of her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, your wife must know my wife. Yeah,
0: it's so yeah. right because we all tend to look at other people and we make comparative judgments about Course. them based on how they compare to us.
1: Of course. And a
0: good leadership coach moves beyond that and sees the other person they're working with as unique, vital, uh, and uh, valuable in who they are. And rather than trying to make them into something they're not, or make them even worse into what we are, we're trying to help them to become all that God wants them to be.
1: Oh, and that's beautiful. And the danger of that is if you're not a good listener, if you don't hold the other person unique, as they're giving your story uh, giving their story and you're understanding a little about a little bit about what they're going through you suddenly start to think i would do this and in that situation you are always the expert you're always perfect now it becomes how can you be so foolish to be stuck in this situation and not know where you're going and now the enemy is talking to you and you blurt out this is what i would do and how i would do it now i'm the expert i feel great about myself but the coachee the one with the issue the problem has done nothing toward it they're even they're even worse now than they were when they came in
0: that's so right and that's why it's so important to recognize the importance of good listening in these relationships and valuing the other person as unique uh distinct and uh, capable of really growing and discovering what mm-hmm. God is doing in them at the time. Now that leads me to another question, and that is, um, when you if you Google uh, coaching uh, or executive coaching, a lot of different resources are going to pop up, and there are a lot of secular resources on this subject. And that doesn't mean they're bad, they're just secular in the sense that there's a whole industry out there called executive coaching. Mm-hmm. We're drawing some insight from that, of course, but we're talking about something that has much more of a spiritual focus, much more of a spiritual foundation. So, uh, Dallas, what are some of the distinctives between executive coaching as it might be done in a secular context and spiritual coaching as it might be done in a ministry supervisory or ministry leadership development context?
1: Sure. Uh, Coaching theory and change theory are very similar. It both begin with the status quo. Uh, a, a realistic look at reality. And I don't like where I am. I need to change something. Now we think that way in our, in our head a lot of times. And sometimes we even try with our hands, with our behaviors to change that, that uh, current reality. But until the heart is uh, engaged, until we have uh, this burden upon us that we just must, we must no matter what, uh, start this change. I've got to get out of this status quo. Uh, that will never work. Now, spiritually speaking, in, in uh, spiritual coaching, I want to focus on the burden that God's giving him and then the repentance that needs to happen to get out of that and toward his direction. If we were in a secular context, I would say that's the pull, that's the draw, that's what you should do in your business, but it's still the same kind of burden. Something has to change here. Without that, Uh, It will fall flat. Uh, I knew for years um, I needed to uh, save more money, or I needed to lose weight, or I needed to read more books, or you can go through a a list. And we think that, we know that, but until the heart is engaged, we're not gonna take the first step.
0: You know, at Gateway, even in our curriculum, we have tried to balance heart, head, and hands. Mm -hmm. And that's a bit challenging uh, in an academic setting because people wanna focus on, head and hands. They want to focus on learning new information and learning new techniques. Mm -hmm. But really, spiritual coaching is about that third dimension as well. It's the heart dimension, as you've just said. The most important. important. It's Mm -hmm. saying that you have to also be engaged at a deep level spiritually and personally and have that kind of aspect to the change if it's really going to be significant. Now, you also brought up in your last answer the, the concept of burden. Yes. You present this in your uh, uh, teachings on coaching, and I'm fascinated by how you use that word. Uh, you use the word burden to describe uh, the the sort of the weight, if you will, of the problem or the dilemma or the situation that's bearing down on a person. Could you talk a little bit more about that and maybe any kind of example that you might have of what that looks like in a person's life?
1: Yes, and first the example, we've done a lot of vision clinics and churches Uh, that are uh, stagnant, plateaued, dying. And so we need new direction, new vision. In the beginning, we talk about where the church has been and and use this in an individual context as well, where you've been and how God has led you to this point but then what is it about your current situation that's unbearable Mm. in spiritual senses that is always something that i need to repent of when nehemiah heard about the destruction in jerusalem the gates down the walls and so forth his first response was not to get a plan together that's his hands or to think through a solution that's his head his first response was heart Uh, he repented he got on his knees and said oh lord uh, forgive us and, and my family and so forth. Then it was four months before the king asked him, what do you need? And I, I want to just there.
0: say something about that. I, I think you're using the word repentance in a good way. Mm-hmm. You're saying the repentance is about owning what's wrong, owning your part in what has caused it, And going to God for a solution, meaning that you turn from trusting yourself and start trusting in him. I think sometimes when we use the word repentance, we stereotype it pretty narrowly into a uh, a public emotional moment mm. of repentance from some heinous or awful sin and repentance can be that yes but it's broader than that and it's you're using it to describe taking responsibility feeling the burden and weight of what's gone wrong in your life or in your organization finding yourself on your knees saying god i own this i own my part of it i turn away from trusting myself and i turn to you and your full solution am i am i summarizing that well as what you're yeah. trying to
1: absolutely. And and self-awareness, especially where the Spirit shows you this, the burden that he has, the Spirit wants you to give that burden back to the Lord. Jesus said, uh, give me back your burden or take my burden. It's light. Uh, He wants that burden back. But when you give it back to him, that's part of repentance. I am going to stop doing what I have been doing and I'm going to go in this direction and I'm going to win or I'm going to die heading that way.
0: That's awesome. Now, you described this repentance process, and you were using the Nehemiah illustration, but that leads us to another concept that you often talk about, and that is the concept of alignment. Mm. In in a coaching relationship, what is alignment? Why is it so important, and how do you know when you're achieving it with a person?
1: Sure. In short, it's uh, my will needs to be his will. So uh,
0: you mean God's will in this context, right? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: So uh, Jesus prayed alignment prayers. Uh, When he talked about his Lord's prayer that we like to recite, he said, not my will, but yours. And of course, of course, uh, Gethsemane, uh, he prayed, not my will, uh, but yours. Um, Jesus always said, it's not what it's, it's what the father is doing. And so I'm engaging that as well. Uh, My will must connect and conform to his will. Lots of people say, how is that? Da-? It's in your personal walk. Mm-hmm. In a coaching session, my personal walk as a coach is vital to the uh, help and advice and the questions I offer to the other person. If I've had a, if I've had a rough day... And spiritually speaking, have committed murder on the highway, which seems to happen here a lot with your traffic in L.A. <laughs> uh, but Jesus said, you know, if you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder. That that colors how I help the uh, the person that, that has the issue in front of me. Uh, I'm liable to say, yeah, take this guy out or, or get mad at him, and so forth and so on. So I have to look at myself first and be in alignment with what God wants me to do. It is my personal walk. But prayer is the key. And not just uh, not just the direction prayers that we give to God, God, give me this, I want this, and uh, hopefully this is your will, but directed prayers. Father, uh, what is your will for me? I'm willing to obey whatever you have for me.
0: So in the Vernacular of coaching the burden is the problem, the issue, the difficulty, either in your life or your organization that you take full responsibility for. You own what you've done to contribute to it and the solutions that need to be found. You turn from trusting yourself in that context, you repent, and you begin moving toward God's plan for that, uh, for you or for your organization. And then alignment is bringing yourself and your organization into alignment with god and what he says is his mission his purpose his direction what he wants for you and what he wants for the organization
1: continually yes.
0: continually mm-hmm. that's good well one last question um, in the context of all of this dialogue and listening and good questions and helping people to address their burdens and come to alignment uh, does coaching ever include confrontation or direction Or is that completely out of bounds in this kind of relationship?
1: No, it does. But in maybe a different way than a lot of people think, Uh, there's always confrontation in coaching. But the coach is helping the coachee confront himself and his walk with God. Coaches, we have to earn the trust so that we can do that. Uh, But I'm I'm not called upon to make people happy in the chair. I'm called upon to really confront them.
0: And you're describing confronting or giving direction not as you necessarily announcing it to them but you taking the responsibility to bring them to a point of confrontation with themselves and with god and in doing that Uh, you've accomplished the same thing, but maybe in a much healthier way than just telling it to them or in some way lecturing them or in some way trying to uh, beat it, uh, browbeat it into them verbally.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's so tempting when someone comes in with a problem and you think you have a good solution. It's so tempting to say, please, let me get you out of that rut you're in and get you on the mountaintop. But God is not a God of chaos, but he is a God of tension. Mm. And when there's tension in someone's life, a good coach will allow that to to settle and, uh, and have that person work through it while they do trust the Lord.
0: That's excellent. Well, thank you, Dallas, for being on the podcast today. Our guest has been Dr. Dallas Bivens, the director of the Arizona campus of Gateway Seminary, and really uh, an expert and practitioner on the practice of leadership coaching. So today... I hope you've learned a fresh perspective on what it means to give spiritual direction, guidance, uh, and coaching to those that you work with, particularly those that you supervise. And I would challenge you to do some reading and thinking about this discipline as a way to approach people and as a way to accomplish your responsibility as you lead on.